Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Shit got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here today with a guest co-host, a very special guest co-host, um, Jesse Rees at jesse Rees on twitter what is your full twitter handle jesse uh, you almost had it you just uh missed it's, it's at jesse reeves ff on twitter very close though all right so follow him on twitter and explain to him how wrong he was about whatever we're about to talk about but uh, as we know jake's um mia at the moment or mib depending on you know if you want to put the word baby in there but while he's uh dealing with a new infant in the house we're hopefully going to have a series of co-hosts on. I couldn't find anyone else, so I just asked Jesse, is the honest truth, uh, figuring that he's always available. Um, no, I'm being a little too harsh. I was really pleased that Jesse agreed to come on with us today. For one thing, he's got much more of a film perspective, um, although he does try to merge film and analytics like everyone actually does. But for the premise of this show, we have one film guy and one analytic guy. And I figured Jesse would be one of the better people to fill Jake's shoes in the film chair um, at the crossroads this week so i'm uh, really happy to have him on we have no idea what we're going to talk about we're just kind of laze around at the crossroads see if anything sparks so jesse how you doing uh anything new in your life anything you want to talk about to start with oh man well first i want to say congrats to jake you know i obviously have some big big shoes to fill within this next 30 to 45 minutes or however long we decide to take this it's normally but, about two hours know, just like yeah, probably somewhere in between there. But no, hey, big big congratulations to the Anderson family and 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 adding that new addition, man. That's that's awesome. And uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, any any time, like you said, I'm just available. You know, it's not my it's not that my opinion is valuable or you know my takes are you know great or anything. I don't, I don't you know I just I'm available, which is probably the most valuable of 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 any asset anybody can provide. 
But um, I'm you doing good, man. Take all the I'm, fun I'm, out I'm, of it when you just roll over. You do realize you take all my fun out of fantasy when you just roll over like that. That's, of I, course, I totally not true. Jesse works <laughs> for FS Statistics, by the way. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you check his work out on that website as well. Full of useful and interesting information. And Jesse posts a lot of articles. You write a lot over there, it seems, dude. You're always posting about a new article. Yeah, dude, I, I did for, uh, I actually took the past month kind of kind of laying low key because I was doing weekly at least, sometimes two a week, and I just love writing. Writing's my, my niche, my niche or however you want to pronounce it. But yeah, I'm, I'm always looking to produce new content, always looking for new good ideas and, and, and being able to put them into writing form. And um, yeah, dude, I love, I love being a writer. We thought we'd start out on rookies. Obviously, it's rookie season. It's also Scott Fishbowl season, so hopefully we'll mm. get into a little bit of that. And Jesse yeah. and I have both received our official invites today. If you haven't received yours, you know, wait by your mailbox because uh, they're being issued right now. It's real exciting. Um, lots of come at me gifts all over Twitter. Um, <laughs> couldn't couldn't be more excited about it. I'd like to say thanks to Scott Fish for the invite, but also for running the league, which must be phenomenally inconvenient to you know actually having a life i imagine uh, just that many analysts in one place we're kind of like cats in general you can't hurt us or tell us all to do one thing anyway and trying to get us all to line up and uh, play a league together must be something like my idea of hell so i really appreciate him <laughs> doing that um because it's a lot of fun um this is my second year and i'm really looking forward to it but that's enough of that. Um, we thought we'd start off with rookies. We thought they'd be more interesting to talk about this time of year than anyone else. But maybe if we don't have anything new to add, like I was just talking to Jesse and it seems like every podcast you have to hear, like I don't think you have to go through rookie rankings or really hear someone's favorite you know, story about Nikhil Harry being awesome. You kind of just have to hit these nexus points. And I think one of them this year is um, out of the top three running backs. And see, the thing is, Spending five minutes explaining who they are would be really tedious because <clears throat> anyone listening to this podcast has heard it like seven different times from people a hell of a lot smarter than me. So you know who we're talking about. And I think that's one of the nexus points of this class, like who you take first out of those three. Honestly, I, you know, as much as I try and take a strong yes, no approach as often as possible, I kind of get all three arguments. No matter who you want to take first, I, I understand it. You, it's... You can kind of break this class into a take-your-guy tier system. And at the top of the running backs rank, which really top most boards and most rookie drafts, running back is normally the best one to take. Positional value, time value, the likelihood they're going to produce early, all of that leans running back. So in many ways, we're talking about who you should take 101. Um, so Jesse... Off the top three, where do you land? Who's who's your guy in this mini tip? Uh, I think it's it's pretty cut and dry with those three for me at least. Uh, we were discussing kind of offline uh, how um, the running back position just has no viable predictive metrics to go off of except for pretty much volume. Um, and the guy that fits that mold in this mini tier here is is going to be Josh Jacobs. Um, and to put it simply, he just he is the running back that landed in the best spot. He looks to take over a, a very very sizable market share um, of of rush attempts, and <clears throat> and he's going to be the guy uh, we we saw last year uh, with Marshawn Lynch out uh, for Oakland, and um, I believe it was Jalen Richard and Doug Martin did not really produce. I think Jacobs is just going to step into that that alpha role there, and he's just going to take over and, and dominate that backfield. Um, after that, I, I'm 
I'm probably going to lean with with David Montgomery. Just um, and I know a lot of people are going to hate that over Miles Sanders, but for me, um, I really enjoyed the tape that I saw on him. Um, he has really good vision, uh, really good patience, uh, really good footwork behind the line of scrimmage, and I think that he's a phenomenal running back. Um, it provides really good receiving upside. I know he'll have to battle with Tariq Cohen a little bit. Uh, we all know um, Tariq Cohen his his uh, fantasy value right now, <clears throat> and. Um, and I think he's going to step in, and he's going to be that one A to the one B of of Tariq Cohen. And um, I think he's yeah he's 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 the guy that landed in that middle situation for me. Um, and then uh, Miles Sanders, the Eagles just have not shown a willingness to have a bell cow back. They just are constantly rotating and rotating. They brought in Jay Ajayi, and we knew that he had knee problems and 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 some health issues, but um, even he wasn't able to gain a sizable workload there. Um, for being a, a workhorse guy that we thought he would be coming out of Miami um, when when the Eagles traded for him, um, so th- that coupled with I, the the only one year I know Miles Sanders played behind Saquon and Saquon's a generational talent, uh, but coupling that small sample size and then um, the fact that the Eagles rank in the bottom half for teams in in terms of rushing attempts per game uh, last year and. I, I believe the year prior to that too. It it just doesn't really add up for me. He's a guy that might have more value year two, year three, but for right now, I'd probably put him at that third spot. All right. If you're complaining about Miles Sanders' sample size, why why the heck would you have Josh Jacobs number one? Like, the argument is who's going to get the volume, um, but why mm-hmm. would you say Jacobs <clears throat> is going to get the volume over Sanders, especially when at least Sanders has a sample size. Jacobs basically has never been only back, so we've got no sample size. Yeah, no. So for me, for the the reason why, and I totally get that, because I, I think coming into this process too, I, I was saying the same exact thing. Josh Jacobs does not have that sample size. He had to compete with guys like Najee Harris and, um, and uh, God, why am I spacing on his name? Um, not Damian Williams, but um, uh, anyways, I'm gonna move on. Damian Harris, sorry. Um, <laughs> and and Damian, I don't know why I blanked on that, but Damian and da- Damian Harris. Uh, was obviously the recipient of the more volume there, and, and and Josh Jacobs was not able to overtake him. However, I don't believe that that um, the Raiders have anybody that's more suited to to challenge Josh Jacobs. And I don't know if you're if you're also familiar familiar with. Um, uh, I'm sure you are. I don't even know why I said that, but um, a little bit of Graham Barfield's work, um, yards created. Um, he did. He does a lot of really good work with with running backs and and um, using a lot of good data to make them independent of their offensive line. We all know how good um, Alabama's offensive line was last season, ranked top two uh, behind Memphis, I believe. And um, a lot of his work showed that Josh Jacobs did a really, really good job at creating room for himself independent of what was being blocked for him at the line of scrimmage. Um, I know he didn't get that that sizable market share that we want. and, and Especially for and an guys. efficiency stat, right? If you're not touching the ball a lot, your efficiency stat basically means nothing to me. <laughs> it, no, and I and I and I totally agree there, which is definitely not my argument for Josh Jacobs. Right. Uh, but what he what he can do is is it's proven that he can create for himself. He is not regardless of the, of the volume that he did get. Uh, but I believe that he walks into a situation where he's going to see that uh, that volume. And this is part of the, one of the underrated parts of this class for me. Like I've been saying. People are underrating this class, if only from uh, the unique opportunity that it provides. Like, there's no one Jesse can make an argument for here that I can't reasonably tell him he's wrong about. Like, that's that's a unique aspect exactly. to this class. Like, like there is no one you can make an argument for. Someone can't 
you know disagree with you on and you can't fully prove them wrong like i think draft capital is mm -hmm. the argument for jacob's more locked in volume and um, but then you've mm -hmm. also got the rashad penny argument from last year it's like ha ha pete you're doing it two times in a row and that's actually perfectly reasonable i mean recent memory and over a longer sample first round backs get that volume but it's still a perfectly valid point and then you've got you know David Montgomery going in the third round, which devalues him on draft capital, but much more likely to go to a team that wants to give one running back volume. But then you've got Miles Sanders, probably <clears> the better, best running back without injury concerns, at least, that have walked into that situation in Philadelphia since this coaching staff's had the team. So maybe that means that the split backfield is a product of who they've had, not what they want to do. And they did go out and get Sanders but they also didn't spend a lot on him but also they're a smart team so they shouldn't so you can just keep going in circles and this is where I came out when I was asked it was I have it ranked this way and um, Jacobs Jacob Sanders Montgomery but I think you can make any argument of any order of uh, those three players and honestly I think the next question is whether you take one of them 101 or you go to Nikhil Harry now, I'm strongly in the Nikhil Harry camp, but I can easily be owned for that argument because all three of these guys are more likely to produce year one statistically and just sample size of um, running backs even that get in the third round. I was owned recently uh, on that one on Twitter, like a higher percentage of running backs drafted in the third round finished top 24 than wide receivers, which is a few. Oh, it's, it's Nikhil Harry over everything. Uh, that's 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 it's a cut and dry simple answer and it, and it comes down to like you said being able to project market value um, um, in the future as as well as return on investment now and I think um, coming into this process I, I had Nikhil as my number one prospect overall and he is literally the guy that checks all the boxes for me uh, from especially from an analytical standpoint um, looking at his his age 18 breakout age um, his dominator rating across the board year to year, um, con constantly ascending, and then the first round draft capital, and then I mean I'm not going to tether him to an aging uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. I know I, I have faith in what the system that they run in the uh, for for uh, over there in New England. They're going to bring in whoever comes in uh, quarterback. They're I have faith they're going to be good. But regardless, even as we were discussing too, he can be independent of quarterback play, um, and I he. Um, I guess the next question I want to ask is like after the top three running backs, like do you just go straight to your next guy or do you go through ADP or do you have um, someone that you think is a clear running back for in this class? Like for me, I'm okay dropping from Montgomery straight down to Justice Hill if you want to take a running back in the second round, right? Um, like I like that Daryl Henderson and like you mentioned, Scott Barrett's got a strong argument <laughs> for him in terms of uh, his... Um, um, but it's really it's a really good metric, and he scored really highly in it. And then you've got the he's not going to be Gurley, but he might get a portion of Gurley's workload. So you're really gunning for a backup <laughs> with that fourth spot, or you can yeah. try to go for the next, I think, most likely workhorse with some decent level of receiving production in college, which is Justice Hill. Like, what do you do at the running back four spot? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big Justice Hill truther. Uh, looking at a guy who blew up the combine, um, uh, he was he was labeled maybe a tad bit undersized and coming into the process. And and I don't say undersized is a bad thing, but somebody who may may not be necessarily a a bell cow three down back. And and I don't think that's what he is anyways. Um, and he sits under 200 right now. He's about five ten, uh, but the kid 
the kid ran a four four, um, and and he looked good. He looked the part on tape. Has really good receiving upside, um, and he's a do it all kind of back. Now for me, uh, a lot of people are gonna say, oh, you know, well they 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 signed uh, they signed Mark Ingram. They're loaded. They have Edwards and Dixon still on the roster. Why would you pick Justice Hill that early in the second? Well. Number two, two things is that um, Justice Hill is he he gave us the college data that says uh, for me if given the volume, uh, which is a big factor here again, if given the volume, he can be good with it. But on top of that, um, his pathway to said volume, I believe, is more narrow than a guy like Daryl Henderson, who I will tell everybody right now, who you know, Daryl Henderson was my RB one coming into the, this this entire pre-draft process. But as of right now, I'll take Justice Hill over Daryl Henderson because I believe his pathway to to um, overall touches is is a lot more narrow than some of these other guys. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, the talent level, I don't believe it's it's that far off of guys at the top three either. The guy at a David, I don't believe David Montgomery, based off of the film that I've seen, is absolutely leaps and bounds better than Justice Hill. It's just the facts are the facts that these the running back pool it, there is a tear break after that top three and the value there that's why these these the top three running backs are going so high in rookie drafts is because there is that slight tear break but if you ask me there's not a a, a drop off between justice hill and and that top three honestly yeah statistically any... i think the difference is third round draft capital compared to fourth round draft capital like justice oh, abs- hill absolutely. was and also conference level maybe but um the next question i guess in fixing your rookie ranks without having to run through them is like after those top three and you're in this decision, like you maybe want to wait for Justice Hill. You're not probably taking him in the middle of the first round. So you're probably playing ADP like me. But the question becomes like if you reach or if you take one group of wide receivers at the top, you pick your favorite or you reach for that second group. Um, and so the first group, the ones that are falling in that mid range is DK Metcalf to make Jake happy. And also because it's true, that's where he's kind of going at the moment. AJ Brown who's been falling, I think, but um, he's, he's still kind of up there. Or you reach for the Paris Campbell or J.J. Sega-Whiteside, and in that, it's I think you're one or the other. You like J.J. or you like Paris. Um, so where are you falling on that? Uh, for me, it's it's uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to reach for that second tier because I, I, I have A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf as kind of that... I have them in this kind of ghost tier outside of that's that top the, that's three. That's the, the ghost tier. Let's call it that. So you're yeah. aiming at the ghost tier at the 105. Yes, that's that's definitely. I'm picking one of those two guys, and even just based off of a, a you know recent drafts that I've been into, that might even be considered a slight reach on AJ Brown at a 105. Yeah, it is I've, right now. I've I think he's falling a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 in 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 like pertaining to those two who like even who would I pick that's a battle to be honest with you that's a battle of kind of how I'm feeling that day I love the situation <laughs> right. that DK I, I, that's that's uh you know how, what, what side of the bed did I wake up on that day because I I love I love DK and the situation that he um that he went to I believe Seattle's going to utilize him and his skill set in a very uh, one-dimensional way but in a one-dimensional way that he can be um efficient with the 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 workload that he does get but on the other hand you you have a guy like 
A.J. Brown, who proved to us in college um, that uh, even in a stacked wide receiver room, he can stand out. And he's somebody that has a really good breakout age, um, dominated all the way through college, and uh, has the versatility to play any and all positions. And um, I, I believe he's going to be tested early with a guy like Corey Davis, who is just a, a, a volume vacuum there um, in, in Tennessee. But like that ghost here is who I'm aiming for at the 105, 106. Because um, from there, you've got you know a couple of running backs people kind of like, especially in redraft. Damian Harris was really too high in redraft, time of rankings in my opinion, but Damn. New England. Then you've got uh, Debo Samuels will get thrown in there, Marcus Brand, the tight ends probably. And then you're kind of dealing with the players who I would actually reach on. In that position, I reach for JJ, I say Whiteside after the 105, if I can't trade back or you know, anything yeah. else. I'm reaching on Whiteside. So, yeah, I think from there we can mostly construct the rest of your board. I really do think it's kind of <laughs> those three or four questions, and you kind of know where everyone is going to fall. Yeah. And then it's just who's going to break and go first. I think Jesse cracked it, by the way. I'm calling it. And... Um, Jake Anderson's problem, if he if he has a problem, is that his bed is pushed up against the wall. Because Jake's bed only <laughs> has one side to it, and he gets out on the mm-hmm. same side every morning. Cause there's a, mm-hmm. So the other side must be covered by the wall, and it's always the DK Metcalf wall. That that's, that's, that's his problem. He just needs to pull his bed away from the wall a little bit, and he'll be able to swing one way or the other. But right now, his feet always land early in the morning on the DK Metcalf side of the bed. And I think... That's probably the best explanation I've uh, I've heard uh, <laughs> of um, Jake's deep and abiding love of DK Mech. Um So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and we came up with like a 50 million questions just in case we ran out of stuff, but we did not. So, the, But the thing I thought was really interesting and I wanted to ask you about um, was while making these rookie picks, I think an underrated aspect of Dynasty in general is who you cut and when. And I think while many people are willing to go to great lengths to detail who you should pick and why their values and who's going to be great and have this very strict, very intelligent process on why you should take a player, I've never felt like the other end of that equation has been as well thought out. And I wrote an article about a year or two ago. I think it was one of the first I wrote for Dynasty League Football. We are a proud Dynasty League Football podcast, by the way. Forgot to say that. Um, and it was uh, managing the back end of your roster, essentially. It's the process I had used, and I've changed it since, but it's still basically the same. Article's still there on who I cut and when I cut them. Uh, and different rules for different positions and what to do with the back end of my roster, essentially. So while you're making rookie picks, uh, frankly, everyone has that part of the equation. You're adding one, you have to take one away. And so just while I've got you here, and like, do you have criteria for who you cut and when you cut them? And if so, is there one player you could name, or maybe a few, who are on that list of players I'm no longer hanging on to and, may, and I'm dropping them to add rookies? Like, is there something that you use to help you make that decision, or are there just a few names that you have been cutting a lot to make room for rookies? Um, so I'll be completely honest and, and let you know, I have not been doing uh, the most in my cut-down process uh, just yet. No one uh, does. Not a, no one does. You know, um, and I think that there, there's a, a natural um, 
a an instinct to just hoard players in Dynasty. Right. Uh, we you, want all of always, them. Give me all of them. And yeah, that's the yeah, problem, right? Um, exactly. Especially young guys that you think might have some upside on maybe a, a, a very limited base uh, basis. Something comes to mind for me right now would be a guy like who I should probably cut like soon would be Kelvin Benjamin. Um, I've had this guy rostered since he was drafted, and it's just, he's just not serving me um, – He's not serving any purpose on my roster outside of 2014 um, or maybe 2016 if we look at it. Um, right, and I get what you're saying, and I think that's similar to the way a lot of people – I think we're all stuck in that. Like it's based on situation, but we are so strict and so intelligent. We try to be at least about who to add. I think we can create some criteria, even just in a generic sense, to offer – like. I don't have the players you have, but if I'm trying to cut someone, is there something I can use? And just to give you, like, some examples, and maybe you have them and you just haven't written them down, like, no one's nearly as uh, annoying about this stuff as me, maybe, but, like, <laughs> I gotta write it down, I gotta set up a general criteria, I, like, I'm OCD in a little way. Yeah. And, um, like, for wide receivers, after their third year, I stop holding out hope as much. But there are a couple names, like, I, I noticed going through my list and while trying to make cuts, that, like, if they've shown something, I still have a hard time putting them on that easy-to-cut list on the back end of my roster. So Demarcus okay. Robinson was okay when he got some targets, and he's in an interesting situation. So despite mm -hmm. having crossed that third-year line, I still kind of like him, so I'll normally keep him if I can. I'll cut him if I can't, obviously, but, you know general rule and Tajay Sharp as well earned a lot of targets was the most inefficient receiver in the league last year but had a great rookie profile so if I can hold him and cut someone else I normally will so those are two people I'm making exceptions for that third year rule on but other players that are easy to cut uh Kiaris Garrett I've had him on a few taxi squads Corey Coleman very clearly passed that third year rule Michael Mitchell I think is never going to play again let's face it um uh, even Jamison Crowder like I'm not cutting him but I'm because I think he has value right now but after crossing that third year and having opportunity I'm kind of lower on him than other people so I can often move him if not cut him Jalen Strong is obviously an easy one. That doesn't make sense. Mike <laughs> Thomas, the other Mike Thomas, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. as he's now officially known, I think. Uh, Farrow Cooper. These are guys who just cross that third-year threshold for me. Other players that cross another threshold for me, a generic thing, is if a player doesn't stay on the same team, even if he's undrafted free agent, if he can't stay on at least their practice squad, I kind of lose interest. Kershaw Hogan is someone I was kind of in, definitely interested in as an undrafted free agent but he started off with the Cardinals he's now on the Colts both good teams to be on but I like I lose a little faith and they become part of that cut list for me even if they're within that three-year line if they change teams like they can't even hold a practice squad spot the team isn't willing to do enough to stop them being signed off the practice squad that's a red line for me too and because these players are very like unlikely to ever do anything it's once they cross one of these lines at wide receiver the third year line having done nothing or not being in an interesting situation or having switched teams i cut them fairly with with uh, a mercenary kind of coldness, to be honest. Um, on the other hand, Rashad Higgins, Tajay Sharp, Marcus Robinson, I still have interest. Leonte Carew, they're kind of crossing the, some of those lines, but Le like Leonte Carew is still on the practice squad of the Dolphins, right? It becomes that 
that finicky as a justification. Like, I'll try and hold him if I can. Rashad Higgins has been good with targets, so I'll try and hold him if I can. Um, but for t- uh, tight end, I start getting more interested once they hit their fourth year. Even if they haven't done anything, if they were decent in college, like that fourth year is an interesting year to me. And weird names that are getting there right now, Max Williams. <laughs> yeah, I know, everyone just rolled their eyes. But he's hitting the fourth <laughs> year now, and that's one thing I'll look for. If he happens to be on one of my taxi squads and I can, I choose to cut someone else if I can't, if someone else has crossed one of the lines. And Jeff Hewerman, who might be a name, a deeper name you remember on the Broncos, uh, as someone with a great blue-collar, hard-working story that everyone's given up for now. But he's just entering his fourth year, and obviously the team just drafted a <laughs> tight end. So uh, probably not, but he's just a name I'm just a little more hesitant to cut, and I'll cut other players that aren't in that fourth-year range if they don't have value. Darren Waller is another one just entering his fourth year. It's actually a name getting thrown around right now because of the situation he's in and um, running backs i mostly go for if they haven't done anything in their first few years uh cut them like running backs are more likely to hit early but they're also less likely to hit if they don't do anything year one and two exceptions to that include justin jackson who has done something with opportunity and i can kind of justify it because he had a great college profile and he was behind melvin gordon it's like the miles sanders in reverse like he went and played mm-hmm. behind a lead dog in the nfl instead and so I can kind of give him a little leeway. On the other hand, DeAndre Washington was like on my cut list two years ago because he didn't do anything early enough when there was opportunity available. So, like, I don't know if I've laid out most of my rules clearly there, but you can see kind of what I'm doing. I'm trying to make generic rules that help me make those cut decisions. Do you have anything like that you find yourself looking, you're like, you know what, they've just been in the league too long or they haven't been in the league long enough or any kind of criteria that's... It helps you make a more generic decision. Uh, you know, no, and I'm actually kind of good. Uh, I'm kind of glad that we this was this was brought up, and you laid out a really good process there. And I think that's probably one of the benefits of knowing historical thresholds on on player positions um, across the board and and dynasty. I think that's a a big um, a big thing because, like I said, I just gave a whole spiel on why I'm, I'm still rostering Kelvin Kelvin Benjamin. Right, and I tried not to give you a hard time about that. I hope you appreciate that. No, no, no but, if you, but no. I mean, I think that's I think that you know. I mean, you're 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 a likable guy, but I think this is the reason why we keep you around. <laughs> right. You know, is because you talk about incredible things. Like that, and no, that no. In all seriousness, that offers good perspective there, um, and that's probably a good process to get to get an edge. Is, is like I said, knowing those historical thresholds on a positional level, um, or across the board for each position, and then evaluating your your dynasty roster accordingly. Um, uh, that's something probably I've given a little thought to, but um, that's definitely I think that there is is some base level skeleton um, of 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 dynasty rostering um thresholds there for for uh right. for what you just talked about like I think that's mine, great. those like are really weak rules like you say the clip but like the 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 any value and we've got a lot i think on rules of who to roster right now is the result of a whole community trying to make intelligent decisions about it we could really we could improve this man we can we can do better than the weak little rules I just laid out. So I just want to start putting that out there, especially while we try to do it to cut, make room for rookies. Like, uh, improve my rules, please. <laughs> it's basically, maybe that's the title of the episode. I don't know. Uh, yeah. improve, improve my rules, please. <laughs> and, I th- and, I, and to go along with your point, though, too, I think your, your standard Dynasty player is just going to continuously um, add year in and year out. And then if a player doesn't produce... 
I think they kind of get lost in that fold, and you don't really think about these these thresholds of of, of production um, from position specific lenses. You know, you don't really think about that. So, and, and then it just gets to a point to where you you've had this guy on your roster for four years, or maybe even somebody just decides in their head, uh, I have a three year threshold for for specific play, for a wide receiver, and it's like, okay, well, you should probably look a little bit more into that because the, the statistics and historical data tells us that three year window is probably what you're looking at for your wide receiver. Right. To become what you at the peak value, so maybe you should hold on to him for that one more year. And and I think that's it's definitely not, a good. It's not a hard and fast rule. Like there are players that no. produce in year four and five, but if you're making like these low odds players bets anyway, and that's the thing, I think we can improve it. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm 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 essentially agreeing with you. It it it's a good it's a good perspective and a good scope to add to. Um, uh, what a lot of people consider to be to be luck, but I don't think people really. Uh, fantasy is a game of luck, but there's so much strategy that goes into it, and I think we 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 as a community, as dynasty players and fantasy players, I think we often find ourselves getting with these new hot trends and the year in. We, Sometimes we get lost in having a redraft mindset in a dynasty game. Sometimes right. and I think that that and, and that's part of the problem too, because then you end up with guys who just eat space on your roster there, and um, that's not the way you want to play dynasty. And if you look at it from like a lens that you you know we're discussing right now, um, you're gonna have an edge, and in in a game that is that is largely just gambling on on who you think is going to be a better uh, football player on the field on one day of the week, and you only have this this one you know this one time to play him and that's that's pretty much it you want to look for any edge that you possibly can and i think you you know that that this discussion is is really um man i didn't even take it that far but that's a really good point i more thought about it in terms of like knowing when to leave a party like it's just good manners to know when to give up yeah um or know when know when it's time to leave and um like f- take a second here like i've mentioned a few players that i can ha- i'm having a hard time cutting even some that are crushing some of my red or I guess orange lines, per- perforated orange lines. If I'm if I'm letting a few slip through, but like a few others would be um, like I'm looking at my rosters, trying to make cuts. Like like I don't have a David Moore this year. I mentioned this to you. Like I feel really good about adding and holding on to David Moore last year, and it worked out. I think having that player that you have a good feeling about every year is probably unlikely. Having one actually work out as I think David Moore did, is even less likely. So, like, we're not looking for a hit, but I still don't have anyone that I feel that strong, even that strongly about this year, at least yet. Um, But I've mentioned a few that, like, might fit the bill. I'll research it some more. A few others are, like, Kalen Balage. I saw enough in his profile. I was kind of interested in him. I had him ranked way too high on my rookie board last year. Like, defend or bring the bring the tape back to the crossroads if you if you can add that like is there a player you've just seen something hasn't done enough but you saw something that you just think special and not every player can do and it probably never will happen but there's some player that when it comes to cutting him you're like no i'm just gonna cut someone else is there that one name yeah, I, I, if if I had to pick one right now, and he's and I'm probably gonna say that I wouldn't cut him just because we haven't seen a, a very large sample size yet um, of what he can do. But we've seen flashes up here and there. This guy like John Ross, 
Um, we we saw, and like I said, he's he's getting into that third year window. Uh, we saw him break the combine in in 2017 in that blazing speed. I love that name. I'll tell you why, and there's several reasons. One is I hated him coming out. I didn't. I think there are, is reason to suspect he's not good, which was what he did in college. Um, but really good analysts that like I base a lot of my work on said the opposite, and I'm like completely the opposite. And so that's a great way to win the Crossroad episode, I think. <laughs> I, I think we, we, we did what we came here to do. Exactly, man. We came, we, we hated on each other, we didn't like each other's picks, and uh, <laughs> now we're just going to leave it all in the dirt. Uh, and that's what the Crossroad's for, man. <laughs> um, um, so I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I had a great time talking with you, as I always do. Keep up your work on FS Statistics. I think I could be wrong. So I don't want to misspeak, but you are on a few of their podcasts, right? Uh, yes, uh, well, um, but me and, and, and David Wilsey, we are uh, co-hosts of a podcast called The Youth Movement. We just kind of highlight um, younger players coming in, kind of sort of pretty much what we talked about tonight um, in terms of rookie picks and, and, and newish guys coming in. John Ross would definitely fit that criteria. Um, but just sort of more in-depth a little bit and a little bit longer um, uh so check out Jesse's work at FS Statistics. Check him out on Twitter at FF Jesse Reeves. Jesse Reeves FF. There it is. <laughs> it's Jesse Reeves FF on Twitter. Oh, no, sorry, I, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm just terrible. Um, thanks to all of you seven or so people who probably listen to us. Um, we really appreciate you. And uh, we will check you again next week. See you. Just grinds that tape It's the dynasty crossroads Where film is everything The dynasty crossroads Where numbers are the king There may not be consensus But we'll give you everything I'm just terrible.